Hello, my wonderful friend. Welcome to Fate FM Drive Time Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible, and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nikrita, your host today, and thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program, and we are inviting you to be part of this program. Stay with us for the whole hour, and as I'm uh, now quite often inviting you to be part of the program, you know that you can do that by sending a text message as we go through this program on 04-888-8081. You may want to share a thought, maybe have a question or something going along, and we'll try our best to uh, to bring you into the program. Also, on uh, the number which I just uh, mentioned, will come a bit later with the wonderful book which we have prepared for you. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll have a code which you need to send it to us. Again, the number where you can be part of this program is 04-888-8081. I would like to say welcome to my co-host today, and it's good to have uh, with us here in the studio, Pastor uh, David Butcher. Good afternoon, Nick, and hello, listeners. Hey, it's good to have you back with us, uh, David. Where you've been? I know you are a very busy man, but um, you took a little bit of time off also, yeah? Yeah, I had some time off and uh, worked from home a little bit, had some time off and also some work in Melbourne as well. So it's really good to be back on air and I really love um, opening up the Word of God and looking at the questions that, that come up that we, we look at each week. So great to be here. Absolutely right. And you know, the weather is beautiful outside there, at least here in Adelaide, and it's uh, so good when you can feel a little bit of warmth, you know, with the long uh, winter, I thought it never comes summer again or spring. <laughs> look, yeah, look, it is. It's a beautiful time of the year. And I guess as we say that, we're mindful of uh, floods and heavy rainfalls in um, Victoria. And uh, it is spring in South Australia. We've got a beautiful week, 23, 24 degrees. But uh, we're certainly conscious of other parts of Australia under flood, um, parts of New South Wales and Queensland of already been hit several times this year parts of New South Wales and Lower New South Wales, Southern New South Wales and Victoria uh, are currently being inundated and so our hearts go out to them uh, and our prayers as well. Uh, myself um, one of our hobbies is uh, we've uh, sort of renovated a home and uh, we're doing landscaping and uh, we managed to lay some turf in our front garden um, it would have been just before, it was late autumn which is not a good time of year so I've been waiting for spring to come so we could uh, give it some fertilizer and let it come to life. And now our turf, our lawn is just growing incredibly. It's beautifully mm. green. And so it's a nice time of year and also to be planting uh, other plants as well. Yeah, it can get on top of you if you are not uh, doing a bit of work right now after, uh, yeah, as I said, a very long winter and wet winter here in uh, Adelaide, which is great. But David, you mentioned something which I would love to just bring it to the attention of um, everyone and our listeners. Uh, talking about Melbourne or uh, New South Wales, those people who are suffering and other parts, even in Tasmania with the floods and uh, people are, you know, distressed because of uh, the loss. Um, how would you like to pray for these people on air right now uh, before we even moving to our uh, discussion? Yeah, look, absolutely. Let, let's pray. Dear God, um, we recognize that we live in a world where 
um, chaos is present, where natural disasters are occurring and in greater frequency. And we know through scripture and through prophecy that these events will continue as uh, time draws to an end and your coming draws near. But Father, we know that in spite of the devil who has his fingerprints over this planet as we degradated ourselves as human beings, Lord, that these things come. Uh, But Father, innocent people are caught up in this and our hearts and our prayers go out to those people, Lord, who have uh, uh, been flooded, Lord, throughout this year. And uh, we know that in New South Wales there are significant rains um, and parts of Victoria still predicted over the coming week. We think of Tasmania, Lord. We think of New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland particularly a couple of months ago, Lord. Mm. And we think of even parts of the top end of South Australia that have been inundated even in the last 24 hours with significant rainfalls. And Father, we think of people that have lost everything, that are in despair, that don't know what to do. Their lives have been turned on their heads. And we pray, Lord, uh, for the, the communities around them, Lord, that will reach out, the volunteers, the not-for-profits, the church groups, the government agencies, Lord, mm. that at this time that uh, people may work together. And there's been wonderful stories of that happening. We pray, Lord, that there will be an end to these floods and these rains, Lord. And so we commit these people in this country to you and our program this afternoon as well in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much uh, David and my dear friend listening today if you have a prayer request if you want to share something maybe uh, with us on uh, on this regard please do so you can send a text message to 0488808811. Now David I like to bring uh, just uh, for a moment to our um, attention uh, some headlights you know going into the Christian world. And um, I just look at this uh, article, uh, actually, a mega church in the United States, in uh, Texas, disaffiliated from um, UMC, which stands for Uniting Methodist uh, Church, uh, even without a congregational uh, vote, which uh, violates the mainline denominations rule uh, on dismissal. The reason I'm bringing this one uh, to our attention, David, because we know that these days is more frequent when, um, you know, groups or churches, they are um, just going uh, independent. They are taking decisions, you know, for a reason or the other. How do you see these things just before I go a little bit into the article? Yeah, look, I think society is headed this way, isn't it, Nick, where where people don't want to be part of the mainstream or there's a kickback against entities and institutions that are, that are mainline and, and people are looking for something different. And... And that's happening in society, but it's it's happening in society and in Christian circles with, I guess, organized church. People are mm. looking for something different, and there's this individualism. People don't want to be part of something bigger. They want to go their own way. And this is a very big church, uh, about 6,000 uh, members. Um, now, we are going to talk a little bit today even about uh, successful groups, churches, and uh, because the whole topic for today, which will come a little bit later, it's about also... Uh, calls and people call uh, groups, you know, uh, if they don't know much about it, you know, oh, is that a cult or no? What makes a cult leader so successful? Yes. And so, uh, we don't want anyone to get mixed up here suggesting that just because you have a mega church, you're a cult. No. But clearly, I think what you're trying to say, Nick, is that these mega churches certainly have charismatic leaders and there's Mm. nothing wrong in and of itself with that. There could be, but not necessarily. Um, But clearly, they have uh, charismatic leaders. But what you're highlighting 
saying here, Nick, is is somewhat concerning, I think, because, um, uh, you know, as a Christian, I look at this, I think of the United Methodist Church, which is a very large denomination in the United States. Yes. And this particular church that you've said, St. Andrew's Church, has broken away uh, without following um, parts of their book of discipline, removed themselves from the mainline denomination. They're meant to have a two-thirds majority vote uh, of the members but uh, that has not been the case in this instance. And um, you can imagine the fracture and how Satan um, clearly enjoys this sort of thing in any Christian church. And you mentioned something, you know, discipline, which people don't like to hear these days. You know, even if you talk about the commandments uh, from the Bible, people don't like that because it's a form of discipline. That will point to your um, uh, shortcomings or lacks of things. In this case, you know, they even ignore the Constitution uh, um, thing, you know, for for the church. Look, absolutely, Nick. And, and uh, you know, in looking at this article, I've, I've done a little bit of research on the Internet and looking at an American ABC News website called United Methodists are breaking up in a slow-motion schism. Mm-hmm. And it was dated October 11 of this month, 2022. So about eight days ago. And... Um, uh, basically, it's suggesting that um, there are about 300 United Methodist congregations in the United States earlier this year that um, are basically looking and considering uh, votes on leaving mm. the United Methodist Church, over 300 congregations. But it also says that those departing are still a fraction of the estimated 30,000 congregations in the United States alone, with nearly 13,000 more more abroad, according to United Methodist statistics. So there are, it's a huge denomination, but uh, many of them are looking to leave. Um, there is talk of lawsuits in some instances, and, uh, of course, there are a range of reasons for wanting to leave. Uh, this one you've talked about, the St. Andrews United Methodist Church, there is commentary there that they would like to... Um, uh, create affiliations with those who also desire greater accountability with more efficient systems and structures Mm -hmm. than we have had in the United Methodist Church. And, um, yeah, look, other reasons why some groups have left the United Methodist Church is over theology and over the whole um, uh, sexuality Mm. and LGBTQ, those sorts of questions and concerns. And so... Yeah, this is this is a sad predicament to see for any Christian church to be to be suffering and experiencing challenges like this. But is that room for um, in the in the days we live in at these times? You know, as we like to point it out uh, so often uh, that we live in the in the end of the days. You know, is that uh, okay to see these uh, fractions, fragmentation, or how do you? Or, or what would you recommend, put it this way, because you are in a leadership position, uh, David, and uh, if you see something going out of the normal, you know, some people may say, hey, we are starting to do things which are not biblical. Um, then is that room for people to uh, to step up and do something or you, you should address that one in the, let's say, wash the, the clothes in, into the family? You know? Yeah, look, it's really interesting, Nick. And as you ask that question, I think back to the uh, Protestant Reformation of the 15th and 16th centuries. Uh, and, and of course, one of the key figures that we think of is Martin Luther. Now, um, and we're talking 500 years ago. Mm. Now, Martin Luther um, didn't go out of his way to start up another denomination. He didn't go out of his way to start up the Lutheran church. He was trying to reform 
the church, the Roman Catholic church mm. that he was a part of. So I think if someone sees a departure, uh, whether it be uh, in policy or, or particular with theology, in other words, not following biblical principles, that needs to be brought to the attention of leaders um, prayerfully mm-hmm. uh, with an attitude of openness to discuss and work through. Uh, and um, clearly, I guess, um, Christianity should not be cult-like. In other words, God has given every person free choice, but I think the biblical approach is to try and work things out, first of all, within the group that you are a part of. Uh, work them out biblically, because if we don't have the Bible, if we don't view the Bible as our standard of faith, then um, we have nothing to stand on. Absolutely right, and I love how you put it, David, because, uh, you know, the purpose is to grow together for uh, uh, growing the kingdom of heaven. But yesterday we talked a little bit about even leaders, how leaders, they attract different um, support. Uh, And Paul said, uh, why are you saying that you follow Apollo or follow Paul or follow Kephas? Why not to follow Jesus? Absolutely. And in this case... um, because we are going to talk a little bit later, you know, the influence of the leaders in the church. And I believe, as you said, it's wonderful that people, if they have concerns, they see that maybe somebody is just going away or slacking, you know, uh, uh, then to address those things prayerfully, because otherwise we'll, you'll just have just separation. And how easy is to just uh, uh, separate and to 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 be even against each other at some point. And I believe we're stronger together, we can go further together, and we can go faster together if we're united. But we need to be united in truth. And I think of the um, early Christian church in Acts 15, that Jerusalem council, there was this issue over circumcision. Mm-hmm. Did uh, Greek believers have to be circumcised? And that could have been a huge fracture in the church, but they worked through it. So we need to work through things biblically. And one of the sad things for me with this article that you've raised about the United Methodist Church and and this particular individual church, mega church of 6,000, choosing to leave, along with hundreds of others that are considering or have already left, is that it tends to take the focus off mission. Yeah. And the purpose of the church is uh, to be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus. Absolutely right. And when we're inward focused, when we're putting out fires within churches – we certainly are busy. Satan has us busy, and we don't tend to focus mm. on mission. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, look, I, I may leave this uh, article uh, now um, uh, behind, David, but thank you for uh, sharing on that. My dear friend, if you have some thoughts, you can still um, uh, contact us. I mean, send a text message to zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. On this number, I would like now to offer you the book which we have prepared for you, and this is End Time Living. Essential Truths for Troubled Times by Mark Finley. Uh, the past is still with us. All of us live with the consequences of choices we made back then. What choices are you making today? How do you want to live your life in the future? And you see, even as we talked about that article, people make choices and that uh, ha- those choices have consequences this book is yours my dear friend you just need to send the text message with the um, code SA77 and our friendly uh, robot will take you through but right now I will take a short break and play uh, a song and uh, this is Catch the Vision
This is Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and our co-host today is Pastor uh, David Butcher. And uh, we are going to look at this question today. Uh, why are charismatic leaders so successful? Just the other day we talked about uh, why do people join cults? 
and uh, a little bit earlier why what is a cult and how can I identify that now my dear friend if you miss some of these programs you can always go back to uh, faithfm.com.au on our website and listen uh, there from the podcast but even better download uh, our FaithFM app FaithFM Australia and you can listen on demand if you miss some of these programs uh, David I'm coming to you right uh, now to address this uh, question because time is going fast uh, today um, why are charismatic leaders so successful and I think it's uh, caught up in that word charismatic you mm. know people are drawn to people with focus with vision with strong leadership that have excellent communication skills that seem to know where they're headed and uh, look Nick in, in preparing for this presentation I uh, did some research and one of the things I came across was um, a- an article called 13 Secrets to Becoming a More Charismatic Leader mm. now there is nothing wrong with being a charismatic leader in and of itself uh, but these are and this is from a secular perspective. This is an American journal, and um, uh, it comes from a journal called the Business Journal's Leadership Trust, and um, 13 Secrets to Becoming a More Charismatic Leader. And I want you to listen to them. Some of these are okay, um, and these are from various secular business leaders. Mm. First one that's listed in this article was Be Resilient and Optimistic About a Better Future. Now, that's that's a good thing yes. in and of itself. Um, the next one is to operate out of an authentic self to build trust. And again, in and of itself, uh, as Christians, we'd be comfortable with that. To, um, that we need to be resilient and optimistic about a better future. And I guess as Christians, we believe in a better future ahead. And that's when Jesus comes to, to remake this planet. Mm. The, uh, the next one was to uh, work uh, sorry, to operate out of an authentic self to build trust. Uh, the next one was work on your perception of self. So this is self-focused. And it says here, psychologists say charisma is malleable. If you aren't naturally gifted with it, you can work on your personality to develop it. There are quite a few elements to charismatic leadership. Number one is confidence. So first off, work on your perception of self and identity and identify areas that won't let you feel uh, sorry, identify areas that won't let you feel you're 100%. That mm. is where you start. So mm. in other words, it's about building self-confidence. Uh, the next one is listen to the people around you, and that's also a good thing or can be a good thing. Number five, focus on others by truly caring about uh, your people. And, of course, any good leader will want to focus on their staff, focus on their employees to, to try and support them. Uh, the next one is be present in all interactions. And, again, we would be say that's a good thing. When mm-hmm. you're engaging with people, engage with them fully. Uh, number seven, embrace and convey vulnerability. You know, be authentic. It means that, you know, we're not bulletproof. We do have gaps. Uh, eight, admit when you make a mistake. And, of course, that's a Christian principle. Number nine, get others to talk about their interests and listen. Number ten, incorporate interests into training and conversations. Get to know the team that you lead. Number eleven, be yourself, focus on positivity and stay consistent. And then we go to number twelve, set an example. Now, we'd say that's a Christian thing, wouldn't we? Mm. Absolutely right. And then the last one listed here is put yourself in the trenches alongside your team. In other words, don't try and lead a team from a throne, Mm -hmm. but get down and get dirty. Get with them and involved. Now, these are are leadership traits set by business gurus of corporations. But uh, a charismatic leader 
can also uh, end up being a cultish leader. Mm. And I guess, um, Nick, our listeners would probably remember, uh, if they're old enough, and some of them certainly would be, some of the cults that have come and gone. And often cults tend to be religious groups. Mm. They don't have to be. But uh, a definition of a cult, this is from the American Heritage Dictionary, says this, a religion or religious sect generally considered to be extremist or false with its followers, often living in an unconventional manner under the guidance of an authoritarian and charismatic leader. Uh, There are also other definitions that are non-religious, but often we're thinking of this powerful leader that people look up to that almost has hypnotized or brainwashed his followers or her followers. And they may start uh, initially, they may start with a good intention. I mean, that's how they draw masses of people, you know, but uh, probably there was an agenda right from the beginning. That was probably hidden. Hidden agenda, correct. And another thing is, uh, as you pointed out to those good characteristics, you know, some of them uh, of leadership, too often, even uh, people who are um, running, let's say, this uh, big denomination or mega churches or uh, groups like that, they can take those from a business point of view and implement it into the church. But sometimes church needs to be run a little bit different than uh, just in in that uh, business manner. Look, absolutely. And I'd say some of those examples at face value have come out of Christianity. Mm -hmm. But you're right, Nick. If we just take business principles and apply them to churches in and of themselves, that can cause challenges mm. because the church is the church and it it's is not in essence a business but you're right nick sometimes um any leader and particularly those that are charismatic leading large groups of people people look up to the leader there there can be a focus on self uh, and an inward focus and that is where problems can begin. Also, we know with cults, sometimes these uh, leaders have had troubled upbringings. They've been, uh, I guess, ejected from various denominations. They have um, uh, a lack of trust or they have also a, a belief in themselves that they're like a messiah-type individual. But, Nick, um, yeah, look, some of the cults that have come and gone uh, more notable, and one of the ones that I, a couple of the ones I remember was the uh, Heaven's Gate cult. Mm. And it was in San Diego, California, 1997. And uh, I believe this is the one that um, the leader, uh, Marshall uh, Apple, Applewhite, he believed and he convinced his followers that uh, it was the Hale-Bopp comet that was coming. And um, they believed that behind the comet, in the tail of the comet, was, uh, you know, they had to die when the comet was coming, kill themselves Mm. so that uh, they could get uh, caught up with this comet that was coming in. In the tail of the comet was uh, paradise or salvation, if you like. Also, we would uh, remember the Waco situation, wouldn't we, in Texas, 1993. And um, uh, this was a group called the Branch Davidians. They were led by a gentleman called David Koresh. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I remember as a young person, 1993, seeing on television uh, the FBI, I think it was the FBI, had these tanks around this compound and commune, and uh, it all ended up pretty nastily, didn't it? Yes. 80 Branch Davidians, 80 cult members died. There was fire, there was gunshots, uh, and I know there was a, a young lady I went to school with. Uh, she was a year or two ahead of me. I was in Victoria. She got caught up in this cult in America, and she perished. Wow. 
and she was a bright, intelligent young lady. And uh, there was also the Jonestown cult, um, Jim Jones, um, and the uh, uh, the Kool Aid. I think it was that that drink. And uh, nine hundred people uh, in a mass murder suicide. Just imagine that. Mm. And what causes that? What causes people to give their allegiance and their faith and their trust? And then, of course, there was Charles Manson, the Manson family, in 1969 in Los Angeles uh, with uh, nine people brutally slaughtered um, over the course of two weeks. Yes. What is it that, that draws people, uh, human beings, to these individuals? And from what I understand um, with Charles Manson, only a matter of years ago, there were still people uh, wanting to be part of his beliefs, his ethos, and the cult, even though he's in prison. It was in prison. Yep. So there have been some notable cults, and there can there will continue to be. In fact, only a matter of years ago, Nick, um, I came across some sort of statistic that suggested there were over thirty thousand American. Uh, there was thirty over thirty thousand Christian groups in North America. Mm. Do you get that? Over thirty thousand Christian groups in North America, or groups that claim to be Christian, all all must at some point. Uh separate from another group you know because how they uh, they cannot just form themselves maybe there are some but generally i believe is because of that sort of attitude of uh, um coming out of uh, a particular group because of certain ideology or certain uh, understanding of even if it's uh, um, doctrinal or uh, you know spiritualness but could be of another nature which you may have disagreements in one way or the other, and people are just following leaders. You just start another leader. And so, mm. Nick, I think maybe um, maybe if we look at, I guess, some of the um, characteristics of some of these cultists. Yes, that would be great, actually. Um, and so let's l- look at some of these characteristics. Um, I guess one of the things is cult leaders tend to be narcissists. Mm. Um, you know, they think of themselves very highly, uh, they tend to put down others and consider themselves better. And they have a false view of themselves. Um, really, there's no empathy with a narcissist. And so that's one of the, um, one of the uh, attributes, I guess, of a cult leader. Uh, another one is, I guess, uh, you know, um, the fact of they can be spiritual abusers. A cult leader is... Um, uh, you know, he's a false teacher who not only teaches false doctrines, but he also seeks or she seeks to intimately control and abuse the lives of their followers. And, um, of course, we've looked at some of those examples where they're a spiritual abuser. They mm. claim to have secret knowledge or they claim that unless you follow them, uh, basically um, you'll be lost. And, Nick, um, I'm thinking of Matthew 7.15 where Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Mm, mm. And we know that... And that's hard, actually. That's very difficult when you think like that, because uh, how to identify and what sort of uh, measures you should take to make sure that you are not trapped into something, you know, 
um, not not good. And and I'm reminded of um, is it Acts 16? I think Acts 16 or Acts 17. Actually, I think it is. Paul goes talks about the Bereans. They were more noble. Why? Yes. Why were they more noble? Because searching the Bible, they, they go se- home and uh, uh, try to see if this man, Apostle Paul, which was very well now known and uh, you know, uh, I will say, uh, very Famous? successful. Yeah. Very successful. Yeah, very yes. successful. But they will go home. They will open their Bibles to check. To see what he said, it's in accordance with the word of God. To see for themselves. To see for themselves. To study yeah. it out for themselves. In other words, God wants us to be mature. He doesn't want us just to drink in and swallow whatever a religious leader teaches. Mm. Doesn't matter which denomination. It has to be matched up with scripture. That's wonderful. And so Paul is encouraging those Berean Christians because they were more noble, I think, from those from Thessalonica because they studied these things out for themselves to see if they were so. To see if they are accurate. So uh, cult leaders often tend to be spiritual abusers. Uh, then um, in doing that, they twist the scriptures for personal gain. Mm. And um, there have been many cases, and I'm not suggesting now that some of these individuals or groups are cults, but within Christianity, within mainstream Christianity, there are groups that are saying, give us your money and um, or, or send in your money, tele-evangelists, etc., send in your money and uh, we'll put a prayer shawl or a prayer scarf on an altar for you. Mm. And, you know, uh, or send us your money, we'll pray for you and you'll be healed. So we need to be wary of twisting the scriptures for personal gain, um, misinterpreting the scriptures. Uh, and we know that many leaders uh, get put up on a pedestal, and that's dangerous, isn't it? Absolutely right. And you know, uh, these people, they they know how to talk uh, and, you know, to approach people, to even, I will use this word, even manipulate the mind of those people who are uh, to become uh, victims. And this is very true, Nick. And what you've highlighted on, many cult leaders know how to read people's personalities. Mm. They work out where the gaps and the needs are in that person and they focus in on them that they have the answers and the only answers. And, yeah. and so, um, yeah, they twist the scriptures. Uh, in fact, Second Peter 2, 3 says, and in their greed, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Mm. They also have what you've said is charisma. They have this charm about them, a superficial charm. Uh, They understand that discovering your weaknesses, needs and desires are a gateway to putting you in bondage. Uh, And that's what they do. Um, Inwardly, cult leaders consistently crave attention and recognition from their members. And this is because they're narcissistic generally. Mm, mm. They need to be fed of how how good they are. Um, They also tend to have a lack of guilt and remorse. Yes. Um, Even when they're confronted they basically exploit people. They often destroy marriages. And Nick, I remember seeing a program earlier this year. I think it's in North New South Wales or in, it might be Queensland. There is a, a man that believes he is Jesus reincarnated mm. and um, he is with a woman called Mary. Actually, I saw myself that, uh, yeah, in Queensland. And there are few of these people claiming that they are Jesus uh, on, on planet Earth. And it, how amazing is that you have many Jesuses? <laughs> and that's it. And, and the other amazing thing is that 
rational, it would seem, human beings are drawn to follow them. And mm. I remember seeing this documentary about this reincarnated, supposedly reincarnated Jesus with Mary, and he talks about what it was like on the cross and how he was treated, and, and yet this reporter confronts him about how he is telling wives particularly to leave their husbands mm. and, and just leave them. And you know, uh, David, they um, it comes in my mind another one, like his name is Visarion of Siberia, Yes, and he looks like Jesus. I mean, from the pictures. Yes, and again, you see, they using all those things to attract, you know, the um, uh, that vulnerable, let's say, uh, mind vulnerable people or people, you know, yeah. and uh, because this this is very interesting. You put on a look like Jesus. You even say words what Jesus used to say. Act like Jesus. Visarion, he was a, a ex uh, policeman in, um, wow. you know, uh, there, but he had so um, much gained the attention of people because he's starting to act like Jesus, doing the good things and all, all those aspects. But the main purpose or the focus was to attract these people, and now he's the leader of this uh, group, which is uh, quite of a, yeah, separate, I'm not going to that, but one of the things which they uh, they can do to manipulate the mind. Oh, look, and it happens so easily. Uh, deception is used. Um, they project superficial love, um, uh, but they're always uh, motives that are to benefit themselves. Mm. And I'm thinking here of 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Nick, where it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And so some of these charismatic leaders, these false teachers, um, it's almost like it's incapable for them to have a good conscience. Mm. Uh, they have no sorrow, no guilt for their sinful behavior. Um, another one is uh, that they're pathological liars. They're very skillful speakers. They're never at a loss for words, uh, and they use lying and deceit. Yes. And we know what Jesus uh, referred to uh, the, some of the religious leaders in his days uh, about, um, about lying. He said in uh, John eight forty four to the religious leaders, he said, you are of your father the devil who has been a liar from the beginning. Mm. Another thing with cult leaders that makes them successful is they have an authoritarian leadership style. And that's, I think, very, very crucial, you know. It is. To, to get hold of, uh, of the group, you know. And not only that, but they then tend to isolate. Mm. They isolate them. They often say, listen, um, uh, it, it seems benign, it seems innocuous, it seems harmless what they're doing. And they say, listen, often they'll say, listen, you know, don't go sharing all of this yet with your friends and family because you only have got a small amount of the information. Mm. And they tend to isolate them in the group. Uh, they are then discouraged from um, being connected with their families or outside uh, friends, and essentially their world is diminished to the members of the group. Absolutely right. Uh, and group thinking then takes place. Often also, Nick, um, some of these leaders take sexual advantage of their members. Yes, unfortunately, yeah. Now, you look at the Christian leadership of Jesus compared to the statement I've just said, often some of these leaders will take sexual advantage of their members. Mm, mm. 
Mm. You couldn't get further apart, could you? Um, and, and they exploit people's weaknesses, which which is really really sad. And so these are um, uh, these are some of the characteristics of cult leaders. They view people as assets uh, rather than objects. Mm. Uh, sorry, they view them as assets and objects rather than people. People that uh, Jesus came to to save and people that Jesus came to die for. Yeah. Uh, Titus one sixteen says they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, David, you pointed out quite a few aspects, you know, how people may identify and even uh, think again of just quickly join some of the, um, uh, you know, the groups. And uh, one of the things came in my mind as you were um, mentioning in uh, Timothy, for example, you, you got a few passages there in First Timothy, but in Second Timothy uh, 3.16, uh, it says that the whole scripture is um, um, profitable. profitable. What that means, that we need to know the Bible, we need to know the scripture because we'll identify some of these uh, let's say, cunning even uh, methods of grabbing our attention. We need to know the Word of God if we if we want to be right with Jesus rather than to just follow people because they are good speakers, because they are influential, because they are and have all those things. They can tick a lot of boxes, David, as you just said. So we shouldn't follow someone for their preaching or for anything like that. We follow uh, the Word of God. And uh, Nick, uh, what you just said has led me to First uh, John four one, which says, "Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world." Mm. So this is John, the Apostle John, the last remaining disciple, and the Christian church is new. It's you know decades old, a couple of decades old, and, and John is saying, "Hey, false prophets, false teachers, charismatic leaders, if you like, have already gone out into the world mm. and led people astray." And Nick, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, one of the things I'd like to take people to is to Acts chapter five, and in Acts chapter five, um, we come across uh, the situation of Peter and John, I think it is, that were arrested. Yes. And they're before the uh, Jewish Sanhedrin, and I'm going to look it up, um, and and uh, basically the Jewish leaders want to kill Peter and John, but a gentleman, a wise man called Gamaliel, mm. who I believe uh, Paul studied under, in Acts chapter 5, and I'll dig it out, I think it's around about verse 33. It says, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill him. They wanted to kill Peter and John. Then one of the councils stood up, verse 34 of Acts 5, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to the men of Israel, Take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thudius rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the rose up in the days of the census, and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men. This is Peter and John. Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it lest you even be found to fight against God. Mm. 
I think that was a very important advice, you know, from Gamaliel, as you just said. A- absolutely. So, Nick, I guess um, when we look at the New Testament, um, we've talked about some of the traits of charismatic leaders and cult leaders, and essentially the focus is always human-centric. Yes. The focus is on themselves. Yes. But when we look at the Apostle Paul and Jesus, we see that the focus is not on Paul, not on um, uh, not on some of those other great New Testament authors and and uh, apostles. It was on Jesus Christ. Mm. So instead of human centric, which is what a cult leader does, and many charismatic leaders, uh, the true biblical approach is a theocentric view, a focus on Jesus Christ. Let's look at this a little bit, uh, David, but just before um, you you take us through there, I'd like to mention to our listener that we have a offer, a free book. Um, uh, this is called, um, let me grab it from here, uh, End Time Living by uh, Mark Finley, uh, Essential Truths for uh, Troubled Times. And my dear friend, um, this book is yours if you send us a text message with the code SA77. The number is zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one. Again, Zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one, and we'll be very happy to share with you this book. All right, to David, um, time is going fast as um, as you just said, uh, but um, we need to look in few minutes left here to some of the characteristics of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, and a godly leader. Yes. Let me just touch on some of the ones from Paul, if that's okay, because Paul says to emulate me because I'm emulating Christ. Uh, Paul basically puts it like this, and he was a charismatic leader. He basically, he self-identified as a doulos, the Greek word, or a slave, a bondservant. Now, I don't see any cult leaders saying that they're a slave, right? Mm. But Paul says this, he says, and often if you look at the, his epistles, he begins by saying, Paul, a bondservant, the Greek word is doulos, yeah. or slave, yeah. of Jesus Christ. Romans one one, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So he considers himself a slave. In Timothy 1.15, he identifies himself as the chief of sinners. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now, how many um, cult leaders say that they're the chief sinner? Yeah, that's uh, that's a very interesting one, yes. He, He also identifies... Um, as a fellow servant of the church, um, he he calls himself a co-laborer. Um, he basically challenges others to follow Jesus Christ, and so um, yeah. Look, uh, essentially, there always tends to be a tendency to elevate religious personalities personalities to such a height that the pressure and attention results in abuse. And this was no different during the in the first century church, uh, but Paul has this focus on Jesus. One hundred and thirty three times someone has said that he focuses in his writings on the three persons of the Godhead, the three persons of the Trinity. He's drawing people to Christ. Mm. He talks about uh, his weaknesses, his thorn in the flesh. That uh, in Second Corinthians chapter nine, that it keeps him humble. Yes. So, what are the characteristics of a good leader? I guess there are no, there is no better leader than Jesus Himself, is there? And so, if I was to look at the Gospel of Mark, and in a couple of minutes, let's look at some of the attributes of Jesus as a leader. 
from the Gospel of Mark. Mark one eleven, and I don't know if you have that there, Nick. Uh, well, uh, yeah, Mark Mark eleven uh, it says then a voice came from heaven, and which says, "You are my beloved son." In whom I am well pleased. Is that the verse you? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So Mark one eleven. Thank you. So Jesus was not self promoting. Uh, in fact, um, uh, this was at his baptism, wasn't it? And it's the Father's voice mm. that is promoting Jesus, not Jesus promoting himself. And um, Jesus comes and says he was to be a servant. That's why he came to this planet. Uh, and he, he demonstrated that in every single thing he did, even to the point, I mean, I'm not sure if we have time to touch on that, when he went bow before the disciples to wash their feet. You know, what a humble uh, act. And that was the role of a servant or a slave. Yes. And even his own disciples, very good one, Nick, even his own disciples refused out of pride to, when there the, was no servant there, they each refused out of pride to wash each other's mm. feet. And yet the creator of the universe... Jesus, who is God himself, lowered himself, took off his robe, put a towel around him, and washed the dirt mm. of his disciples' feet, the sin, if you like, and it was there on the, on, on the, the towel wrapped around himself. So, yeah, humility. Uh, another one is that um, Jesus was obedient to the Holy Spirit, um, and uh, we know that cult leaders are obedient only to themselves. Mark chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, After Jesus' baptism, it says, Immediately the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. So he was always led by the Holy Spirit. Um, act, uh, Matthew 4 verses 1 to 3 says Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness uh, Continually Jesus was in touch with the Holy Spirit He was empowered by the Holy Spirit yes. He was always subservient to his heavenly Father's will as well uh, one of the other characteristics of, of a godly leader uh, in Jesus' life was that uh, Jesus cast a vision with clarity, simplicity, and directness. And uh, we know that um, uh, it says here, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It was a simple message that Jesus shared. Vision with clarity, simplicity, and directness. Another one is that Jesus was a strategic team builder. So when Jesus first called uh, the first four disciples, they were fishermen. And he said, hey, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Um, and so he started with uh, men who had something in common. They were fishermen. He started with common people because they would be able to relate to the masses uh, another attribute of Jesus and godly leadership is that he was a relationship builder. Um, I like that one, yes. You know, he even got someone, a zealot. He got mm. uh, almost like a, a terrorist, if you could say, someone that was against the Romans. But he was there at building relationships. He built into his team of leaders a tax collector. Yes. Always building relationships with others. And not uh, putting a stigma on people, you know, uh, as you just mentioned, you know, like people like, you know, Matthew, tax collector, or or uh, Peter, who was, uh, he thought maybe that was a good swordman, but, uh, you know, we don't know about that, but, you know, he used the sword rather, but later on, uh, he was the one to really follow Jesus, you know, and I said, I'm not worthy to die like my 
mustard. Yeah, like not really to be crucified in the way Jesus yeah, was, but upside down, uh, tradition tells us. Yeah. Um, Jesus also engaged in crises head-on when they occurred. In uh, Mark one thirty and 31, it says we come across a situation of, um, of uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. She was sick. And uh, it was a Sabbath, and um, she was in bed with a fever, and Jesus took her by the hand, helped her up, and the fever fever left her. He actually got engaged with people's problems. He healed them. Uh, Jesus also spent, uh, practiced and spent considerable time in prayer. And I don't know about you, but um, uh, key points in his life, Prayer is there. He spent nights in prayer. Before he appointed his uh, apostles, he spent the night in prayer. And, and, so- and probably that's very much neglected, uh, David, these days. You know, even um, not on a personal level, I'm, I don't want to judge that, but sometimes you go to church and there are so many other things happening at the church and you have less time for prayer. That's exactly right. And, and Jesus understood that, Real power came through connection with his Father, through the Holy Spirit, and that connection is through prayer. Mm. And so we don't see that with cultish leaders. Jesus, uh, Philippians 2, says uh, verses 5 to 9, says that he, he was equal with God, but he didn't consider it robbery to lower himself to the point of a servant. Mm. But he was a man, a God-man that empowered others as well. And cult leaders don't tend to empower the masses. Jesus empowered a movement of lay people, of of men and women without spiritual learning to lead the Christian church. I like a thought which um, came in my mind now that God is not after qualified people. He's after people who are willing to serve him and they will get qualified by the master. Yeah, I Jesus think there's Christ. a saying that says, How, how like, you say that? Yeah, yeah, Jesus doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. The call, yeah. That's and so, wonderful. Nick, I think in the life of Jesus, in the life of uh, the Apostle Paul, we see clear characteristics of what it means to be a godly leader as, com- as compared to a cultish charismatic leader. Yeah, that's wonderful. David, thank you so much for sharing. I know time went very quickly, but I wonder if uh, we could, in a word of two, uh, just pray that um, if somebody out there are confused about uh, certain things going on and even attracted to some groups, that God may lead through the Holy Spirit to take the right decision and to stay connected with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we just uh, come before you now and uh, Lord, we want to thank you that uh, in you there is freedom. In your word, your word is truth. And your worth frees us from the shackles of bondage, of tyranny, of sin, of of domination, Lord, and, and of deception. And Lord, we want to pray for anyone, Lord, that may be under the spell, if you like, uh, of some cultish, charismatic person, Lord. Uh, may they realize that only truth and only freedom comes through you. Lord, we pray for family members that have loved ones caught up in various groups mm. where they've been isolated from them. And Father, we pray that uh, through your spirit, you'll reach the hearts and the minds of those that are trapped that they'll be freed through your word, that they'll be led to you as the only source, the only strength, the only saviour, the only answer. We pray for them now, Lord. We pray for our listeners, each and every Mm. one. And we pray, Lord, for every Christian leader, that they might have their eyes continually focused on you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. 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 Thank you so much, David. All right, my dear friend, time is up for us today, but um, please join us again uh, next time when we are going to look a little bit further into this aspect. And um, we may ask this question, does God want believers to withdraw from society? Until then, may God richly bless you and uh, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Just therefore gracious Lord